we have been going through the five solars and we began this last week <clears throat> so we've only done one which one is it in latin in latin please sola gratia grace alone grace alone and uh, in simple terms what does it mean when we say grace alone what do we mean anyone yes we mean that salvation is by the sovereign grace of God um, <clears throat> that God saves without without anyone's involvement it's only him by his own mere good pleasure that he saves the sinner now <clears throat> um, and so because salvation is by grace alone there's nothing that we contribute to to uh, the salvation that God gives us if there's anything that we contribute it's our sin it's that we have sinned we bring our sin to the table and God is the one that does all the cleaning and we 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 do not help him we can't help him we are not we are not able to help him if we try to help him we make things worse because as we're going to see later on, all the glory will not go to him. And yet the Bible says that all the glory belongs to God. Solidia Gloria. Now, this morning, I'd like us to consider Sola Fide. Sola Fide. Faith alone. Faith alone. That it's not only that salvation is by grace alone, that this salvation that we receive comes through faith alone. Now, <clears throat> the Protestant Reformation um, is careful to add the word alone next to this concept of grace and faith and Christ and scripture and the glory of God. The, 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 the word alone is added there deliberately. And so we have grace alone as we considered last week and we have faith alone now the reason is because uh, you have you have people believing that you need to have faith it's not as though it would be a big mistake for us to think that catholics don't believe that salvation is by faith they believe that salvation is by faith you know the sds believe that salvation is by faith and every other uh, so-called christian religion that uh, adds works to it they don't exclude faith faith is in there but the christian faith as we as we see truth from the scripture claims that it is through faith alone while others would claim it's through faith plus works um, the protestant reformation gave birth if you will to the alone there in the five solars that it is 
by grace alone that we are saved. God does the saving. It is through faith alone that we are saved. And this is what we are going to be considering here this morning. So the, the primary teaching here is that salvation comes to the sinner through faith alone, through trusting in the work of Christ alone, which is what we will consider next week. And then the question here that you must ask is, what must I do to be saved? How can I be right with God? The question that we will be dealing with as we consider this whole matter of faith alone is, what must I do to be saved? How can I be made right with God? How can I be accepted by God? And that's the greatest question that any of, any of us, any human being can ever ask in the whole world. How can I be made right with God? I'd like to ask a question here and see whether you're following me. In essence, what doctrine are we dealing with there? When we talk about faith alone, what doctrine are we dealing with? Yes. Not quite. The doctrine of justification. Now, there's a sense in which salvation is in there. But I was quite looking for justification because justification is by by faith alone. By faith alone. So, what we are dealing with here is how can I be made right with God? How can I be justified before the holy God? How can I be made right with Him? What must I do to be saved? Now, turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And here we have the, that great proclamation from the Apostle Paul. who is telling the, the Romans that he is eager to preach the gospel to them. He is eager to uh, uh, communicate uh, uh, the truth of the gospel to them, which is what we have there in verse 15. But then in verse 16 he says, This gospel that I am eager to bring to you, I am not ashamed of it, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now I'd like you to consider there that the thing that we are dealing with here as we talk about faith alone is the matter of righteousness. And so, are you righteous? That's the thing that you should be considering. That you should ask yourself. Are you righteous? And, and we all should quickly be able to say, no, no, we are not righteous. We are not righteous in and of ourselves. But then there's a sense in which the question, are you righteous, has two answers. Both yes and no. <clears throat> no, we are not righteous in and of ourselves. Yes, we are righteous. How? Yes in Christ the righteousness that the Christian has comes to him forensically if you will in a forensic way God 
grants us that righteousness that Christ has <clears throat> even though we are sinners. And so it's, it's like a jacket that God removes our dirty linen and grants us a perfectly pure, clean jacket. And so the righteousness that the Christian has is a righteousness that belongs to Christ, that comes to him. The Apostle Paul tells us, by faith, the righteous shall live by faith, faith in Christ. Now, in this same book, Romans, same chapter, <clears throat> no, not chapter 3, I believe chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul has just finished telling us how filthy we are, that we are to completely, totally depraved, not that we are sinful as much as we could be, but that every faculty of our being is tainted with sin. That we are not quite able to go to God by ourselves. Because there is another route that we have taken. You know, our feet are going somewhere else. They are swift to shed blood. Our mouths are not quick to proclaim the goodness and the praises of God. Rather, our mouths are, 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 are our tongues are swift to deceive. Our throat is an open grave. Then he tells us in, in verse 20 that um, by no works of the law, uh, uh, by, by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. And so the issue that we're dealing with here when we, when we talk about faith alone is upon whose works are we saved? And theologians have said that we, we, are, we are saved by works, but not by our works, but by the works of Christ. So that faith alone comes in there and, and it says, you must put your trust in the works of another and not your own works. And that's how faith works. So we are told there in Romans chapter 3 verse 20 that, by works of the law, no human being will be justified. Our works cannot grant us justification in the sight of God because the law brings the knowledge of sin. And we are told there in verse 21, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God, notice there in verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And so, who is the object of our faith? Yes? Jesus Christ is our object of faith. We believe in Him. Our faith is in Him. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace. That's what we considered last week. Grace alone, as a gift, God gives justification for free by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood, to be received how? To be received by faith. It's by faith that we receive this, as we have it there in verse 25. And then we are told, this was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show 
his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And so, again, the, the, this concept of God's justice comes in when we are talking about salvation. Because when we go to the sinner and you tell them that God will forgive them, you must tell them how it will happen. Now we have progressive Christians who do not believe in substitutionary uh, sin-bearing death of Christ. They don't believe that, they believe that to say that God, God killed Jesus is to claim that God is a cosmic child abuser, if you will. That God abused his child. But then if you look at the content of scripture, the Bible clearly tells us that God turned his face away. God poured his wrath upon his son. He made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so when you tell someone that God will forgive them, you must tell them how, how is God going to do that? Because the God of the Christian, the triune God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit is not like the Muslim God, right? Who will just forgive people because he can. That's not how the Christian God works. The God of the Christian will not forgive sinners unless, unless he is satisfied by their goodness. Now, the, the, the problem there is that you and I are not good, right? We're not good. We can't, we can't satisfy God with our own goodness. And because of that, then, God gives his son. Now, the reason I'm saying God must be satisfied is because that's what it says there in verse 25. It says that God gave us Christ. You know, he put him forward as a propitiation. You see that word there? Propitiation. It means that God's wrath was satisfied. That the anger that God has because you have sinned, because I have sinned, is satisfied because God gave his well-beloved son, so that all who believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And so God remains just because he satisfies that wrath. He satisfies his own wrath. He's, he's, he receives that infinite payment through the Lord Jesus Christ. And God becomes the justifier of the one who puts who puts what in Christ? Who puts their faith in Christ. And so faith there is complete trust, complete belief, complete dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about when we say that salvation is through faith alone. Now, there's a kind of a progression that comes from grace. And so God in his grace gives the means by which we, we, we are to be saved. God in his grace is the one that awakens us, opens our eyes, helps us to see that we are sinners. And then God, as we're going to later on see, grants faith. Because God cannot justify us. You know, he is the justifier of those who have faith. So we read there in verse 26. The one who has faith in Jesus Christ. God is the one that justifies them. That faith it's God who gives it. And so then we must begin there. 
that faith in Jesus Christ is necessary for the salvation of sinners. Now, I'd like you to notice or like to bring you to the attention that faith faith listen to me very carefully faith does not save Jesus Christ is the savior faith is not the savior so we do not put our trust in faith faith is the means by which we are saved for us to to be saved we need Jesus Christ Jesus Christ is the, is, is the one whom we need but then faith in him is the means by which we are saved faith faith ni kama nikaa kikombe Jesus Christ is the water you can drink the water without the cup but you can't drink water if the water is not there with the cup alone if you get what i mean sindio if you just have a if you just have this bottle and it doesn't have water it's useless right it needs to have water inside for the for the bottle or the cup to be useful for me and that's how faith is and, and that's why it must be the christian faith which puts it, its trust in jesus christ because jesus christ is the object of our faith and so what i'm trying to do is as i communicate to you that salvation is through faith alone i, I want you to, to to realize that we are not praising faith you know it's not the kind of uh, it's not the kind of exaltation that charismatics give to faith that faith is everything i mean that's what benihina said faith is everything if you want to be healed faith is not everything my friends jesus christ is everything he, he is the one that we, we need and then the bible tells us that if we are going to have faith it must be in him if it is faith in anything else that's not the christian faith and that is damning faith and so when we say that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone it's it's it, it must have an object and the object is jesus christ now stick with me there in romans chapter 3 look at verse 27 then what becomes of our boasting it is excluded by what kind of law by a law of works No by the law of faith because we are saved by faith in Christ we can't boast there's no ground for boasting and then Paul continues to say that for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law no one can be good enough for God to save them we are saved we are justified by faith or is God the God of the Jews only Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Paul is saying everyone is saved in this means through this means, means of faith 
in Jesus Christ. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. And that's a whole different matter. The point there is, faith alone is the necessary prerequisite for anyone to be saved. Faith in Jesus Christ. I must, I must accompany that with, uh, you know, I must qualify that with faith in Jesus Christ, lest anyone misrepresent what we are talking about here. And so, <clears throat> so we 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 have that there. That um, when we say that justification is by faith in Christ, we are saying that what we need. Is, is faith in him now <clears throat> these are there's another thing that we are we are talking about here faith in Jesus Christ is um, is is when we say that we are saved by faith alone we are excluding anything else that can grant salvation to anyone. Let me try and explain what I mean. When we say that salvation is by grace alone, we've already dealt with that, and you can go back to that, uh, that class and, and listen to it. Through faith alone, we are saying, you, you are not good enough for God to save you. So we are, we are saying that you're not good enough for God to save you. We are also saying that the goodness that you have is not needed. Number two. Number one, you're not good enough for God to save you. Number two, the, the little goodness that you think you have, God doesn't need it to save you. When we say that salvation is through faith alone, we are saying... Men are not good, and even the common grace that God gives men so that they are good, they go to church, they help people, they live at peace with their neighbors, they are born in Christian families, all those things that seem to be good in humans, God doesn't need it for him to save anyone. What God needs is perfection, and our goodness is not perfect. Isaiah tells us that even our best works are as filthy rags before God. Your good works before God are like filthy rags. And the example is given of your, your duster at home. You use your mop or your duster to clean your house and you think that your house is clean, right? You rinse it, you wipe your house, you wipe your house, you put in the water, you rinse it again, you, and then when you finish, what do you do with it? You put it at the entrance. If your house is not too modern, <laughs> you take your duster, you put it at the entrance, and what you do when you get in your house is that you step on it. If you don't want to remove your shoes, you wipe your shoes on it, then you get into your house. That's how your works are. Your works are like that duster, which seem to be good. It seems to be cleaning the house, but in the end, it's dirty. It continues to be dirty over and over again. You clean it again, you dirtify it. You clean it again, you dirtify it. That's how your works, my works, 
anybody's works that seem to be good are. And because of that, then justification is by faith alone. Faith alone in the finished work of Jesus Christ. God doesn't need, God doesn't tell you, have faith in Jesus Christ, but then do these other things, and then you will be saved. Go to church. Help people. You know, obey your parents. Keep the law. Have faith in Jesus Christ, but keep the law, and then you will be saved. No. What we're saying here is that for you to be justified, the necessary prerequisite is, is, is faith alone. That alone there is very important. Now go with me to Galatians. <clears throat> Someone read for us Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. So that we may qualify what we are saying. This is not our own ideas. This is what the Bible tells us. Galatians chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ, in Christ Jesus, in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So, <clears throat> isn't that text clear? We know that there are Jews and there are Gentiles. In the passage that we've considered in Romans chapter 3, if you read verse 10, it says that both, verse 9 and 10 says that both Jews and Gentiles are under sin. Jews are not better, Gentiles are not better. Everyone is a sinner, everyone is under sin. Everyone is a child of Adam. That, that's what Paul is going to, 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 to tell the Romans in chapter 5. Because of Adam's sin, everyone is counted a sinner. Now, here, Paul has just finished telling the Galatians how he is astonished by them. How they are turning away into a different, different gospel. They've already received the gospel. They're now quickly turning to a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. And then... We, we see that, that, that the example of twisting and changing the gospel in the conduct of Peter, who eats with the Gentiles, but when the circumcision party comes, he doesn't want to eat with them. Therefore, portraying this kind of picture that uh, you are saved, if, if you're a Jew, you can, you know, you, 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 you can eat with the Gentiles when no one is seeing you. Or rather, when no other Jew is seeing you. And then when the Jews come, you're not going to eat with the Gentiles. And Paul tells him, no, you're, you're making a big mistake. You're misrepresenting the gospel. The, the gospel says there's no Jew, there's no Gentile. There's no male, there's no female. There's no slave, there's no free. The gospel says all these groups of people, male and female, slave and free, Jew and Gentile, are saved in the same way and therefore they have the same standing before God. And then he now comes and makes this, um, this statement here in chapter 2, verse 15. 
that those who are Jews by birth and not gentle sinners are saved by by faith alone in Christ alone. Because you're a Jew, you're not saved any differently. Now, let me bring it home to you because you might think, but I'm not a Jew. Because you're born in a Christian family, you're not better than others. God doesn't save you because of that. Because you go to church. That's not the prerequisite for being saved. Because you do good things, supposedly. Faith alone says, salvation is by faith alone. It says, you do not, you're not required to do anything for you to be saved. God doesn't want your works for him to save you. God saves by grace alone, through faith alone. Faith in Jesus Christ is the means. That's what Paul emphasizes there. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in, we also have believed, and that believing there incorporates faith in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. Do you think that God is going to accept you based on anything that you've done? Faith alone says you can't be saved by anything that you've done. Do you think that you can bring anything before God for Him to accept you? Faith alone says there's nothing that you can do for God to save you. Now, like, like us to see where this faith comes from. Go with me to the next book, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, chapter 2. glorious passage there from verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1. I'm going to read very slowly so that you're able to follow me. Even though it's a common passage, it has deep truths. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so <clears throat> so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of God not a result of works so that no one may boast. Where does faith come from? Faith comes from God. 
faith is a gift from God. When God displays his grace upon you, he is the one that gives you faith to believe in him. Now, I was, I was debating with a friend of mine about this whole matter of grace alone and faith alone. And my friend was telling me that um, when you look at verse 7, sorry, verse 8, says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. You see that, that phrase there? This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. He, he, was, he was telling me that that phrase there, this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. He's not speaking about faith. That rather, it's speaking about salvation. And my response to him was, you are right and wrong at the same time. Because when you say that it is not speaking about faith and it's speaking about salvation, you're right. Because we're told that for by grace you have been saved. So there's a concept of salvation there. And the whole idea of grace and faith there all culminate in God saving the sinner, right? But then he was wrong at the same time because he was he was arguing as though that salvation doesn't have components. And that salvation has components. And what are, what are the components? What are the components? Yes? Grace and faith. Grace and faith. You For by grace you have been saved through faith. The components of uh, this salvation that God gives are grace and faith. God gives all this freely as a gift. And so faith is a gift from God. Faith comes from God. If God doesn't give it to you, you're not going to be saved. It's a, it's a God-given gift. That's what the text tells us. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. You see that statement there? Verse 9, not a result of works so that no one may boast. It's there to tell us that everything that is involved in salvation comes from God alone so that we do not think that there is anything that we did for God to save us. It's not a result of works. It's all of God's grace. It's all through faith in Christ. And this faith is given by God. It's his gift. Is there any question or comment before I continue? Any question or comment? No? Feel free to ask a question or a comment as, as we make a comment as we continue. <clears throat> the righteousness of God, you know, when, when we say that we are righteous as Christians, we are not saying that we are completely void of sin. We are saying that we have been given the righteousness that is necessary for us to stand before God. Again, again, let me, let me ask you this question. How are you a sinful person? And what that means is that you are full of sin. How are you going to stand before God? 
What are you going to tell him? How are you, what are you going to plead for yourself? And the answer is guilty. When you stand before God, you and I, when, when, we, are, when we are faced with the King of Kings, when we are faced with holiness itself, the only thing that we can plead is guilty. Guilty, nothing but guilty. Because we are sinners, right? Now, the righteousness that the Christian has that enables him to stand before God without being consumed by the all-consuming fire is a gift that God gives. It's a gift that God gives to those who are guilty. It is freely given through the death of Christ upon the cross. It's by the grace of God and the means is faith. Now, let me just remind you that we do not worship faith. We worship Christ. We go to Christ and faith is the means that we use. So that without Christ, any faith that you would have is useless. Because Christ is our object of faith. Those who will humble themselves those who will bend their knee to Christ through faith in Him, belief in Him, trust in Him, dependence upon Him, will be saved. They must be saved. Because faith in Christ is the means by which God has given so that we may be saved. So what we're saying here is that your works are not required by God for Him to save you. Faith alone in Christ is what is needed. Having faith means that we completely depend upon God. We completely depend upon His character, His truthfulness, His dependability. We completely trust in God. The issue is that your faith has to have an object. And the object of the Christian's faith is God. Faith is not an end in itself. God is. God the Father, through God the Son, by the power of God the Holy Spirit, is the object of our faith. We are to trust God and what He tells us, that He is faithful. And that is what faith is. Faith is trusting in what God has said. And that's the last thing that I'd like us to consider. We, we don't believe in the kind of faith in quotes that is a leap into darkness and i've constantly reminded you <laughs> that if you decide that tomorrow you will you will drive a car it will not happen i promise you however much you believe it it won't happen if you say that that's faith, you're very mistaken. That's not what faith is. Faith is not a blind leap into darkness. Faith is trusting what God has said. So that if it is a blind leap, it is not into darkness. It is into what God says, and therefore your trust is not even in the end that you're looking forward to. 
your trust is in the God who's made the promise. Lastly, go with me to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. And here we have the, <clears throat> the famous example of Abraham. And of course, Abraham is the father of faith. <clears throat> Romans chapter 4 and um, I'm not sure I have the time to let me let me read from verse 1 what then shall we say <clears throat> was gained by Abraham our forefather according to the to the flesh for if Abraham was justified by works he has something to boast about but not before God for what does the scripture say Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. You know, what he deserves. Verse 5. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also spoke of the blessing uh, of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his iniquity. Is this blessing then only for those for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For, uh, for we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? So Paul is taking us through this journey, showing us that it's, it's not of anything that we do. It's all dependent upon God. It was not after, but before he was circumcised. Verse 11. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had, uh, that, that, that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised. That's why we say that he is the father of faith. Because the Bible says that. So that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who were not merely circumcised, but who also walked in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Look at verse, verse, verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be the heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Any righteousness that any, Christians ha any Christian has must be a righteousness that they have received because they have faith in the righteous one, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14. For if it is the adherents of, of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. If it was dependent upon anything that you do, faith, faith will not be required. That's what the text says. For the law brings wrath, but there is no law, there is no transgression. <clears throat> Sorry. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace. Do you see how these things are intricately connected? It's grace alone and it is faith alone. So that is why it depends on faith. In order that the, that the promise may rest on grace. And be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not to all the adherents of the law. But also... <clears throat> 
sorry, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of God, in the presence of in, in the in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Now, friends, that let me just make a side note there. That verse does not say we can call down rain. Until we call into existence the things that do, do not exist. We do not want the sun. We don't want to be burnt here in the tent. So we, we declare that it's not going to be sunny. That's not what he's talking about. The, 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 the whole theme here is about justification by faith. Alone in Christ alone. Because this is what Abraham did. He had faith in what God said. And this is now where I want you to pay attention. <clears throat> there from verse 18. In hope, he believed against hope. This is Abraham now. That he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. Did God tell you you will have a car by the end of the year? No, he did not. So you're not going to get it unless you work hard and you buy it by the grace of God. And so Abraham had hope. He believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. That's what God tell, told him. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. Because Abraham was too old to get a child, he could have easily thought that he would not get, get the child. But he believed that he would get a child, not because he had the strength to get the child, but because God told him he would get a child. If he was a hundred years old and he decided for himself that I'm going to have faith, 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 faith until I get a baby, he wouldn't get it. Because God had not told him. But because God had promised him, he would get it. That's what Paul is arguing here. So he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of, of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. God has not promised you a car by the end of the year again. You're not going to get it unless you work hard for it. And so <clears throat> we're told there that no unbelief uh, made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God. Fully convinced, again, notice that God was able to do what he had promised. If God has not promised, that faith is a blind leap into darkness. We only believe it because God has promised it. We believe that God is going to save us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ because God tells us that he came to this world, lived a perfect life, obeyed the law of God perfectly, went upon the cross, died the death that we deserved, rose again from the grave, is now seated in heaven above, and all who believe in him will be saved. God has promised us that. When we believe that, we are saved. That's what faith is. So we are told there in verse 22, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believed in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised, us, uh, and raised for our justification. Are, are you seeing the point? 
justification is by faith alone. That's what, that's what faith alone is. Faith is not a leap into, into the dark where you believe something extraordinary is going to happen without any basis whatsoever. We are not to believe what God has not told us, what God has not promised. Faith is not believing what we have come up with and requiring it to be in God's word. People come up with their own the, the thing that they want to believe that will happen and then they come to the scriptures to do what? To say, isn't this what God has said? That's not what faith is. We are not to believe what God has not told us. If God has not said it, we shouldn't believe it. What God has not promised. Faith is not believing what we have come up with and requiring it to be in God's word. You know, or fixing it there for ourselves. We are not to refuse to believe what God has told us, which is what unbelievers are doing. Those who have not believed in Jesus Christ, those who have not put their faith in him, are refusing to believe what God has explicitly told us in his word. That those who have faith in Jesus Christ will be saved. And that's why they are going to go to hell. Because the promise of God that has been given, they are not believing it. So we are not to refuse what God has told us. We lack faith when we believe what God has not told us in his word. When you believe something that God has not said, you don't have faith. We lack faith when we fail to believe what God has told us. When we fail to trust upon that which God has communicated, we also lack faith. Faith is trusting in the character of God, even though you do not know what God is going to do. You see, our faith has its object as God. When we believe God, we are safe. If someone asks you, why do you believe that when you die you will go to heaven? Your response should be, God has said it in his word. God has promised that all who put their trust in Jesus Christ, they will have eternal life. I mean, we've been going through the I, I am sayings of Christ. We've constantly seen that Jesus is God. And God says, I am the light of the world. I'm the bread of life. I am the door. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, the life. God says that. And he says, those who believe in him, they will not perish, but they will have eternal life. And the question for you this morning is, do you have faith? Are you believing in the only God who is able to save Are there any questions or comments? There's a sense in which it's hard to proclaim such things without being preachy. It's a Sunday school class, but we all must have faith here if you're going to see God. We must. Is that a question? Yes, Victor. Conviction of things 
seal the open things and stuff. And uh, we have a number of people who by faith did other things. And my question would be, um, are we, is, is this a different type of faith? Or what is this faith that the, this multitude of witnesses had? What is this faith that is being talked about in history development? And what is this that we are talking about in I mean, I wish I wish you had time, but go with me to Hebrews 11. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's not a dip, different faith. If you read, it's called the Hall of Faith, where you have all those characters: Abraham, and Abel, and Enoch, and <coughs> and, and Moses, and, and all these people, Rachel, um, who are listed there. And because we don't have time to go through all of them, I'm just going to read from verse 1 to, oh man, to verse 6. Let's, let's do 1 to 6. Or, or let's do 1 to, <laughs> 1 to 7. Let's do 1 to 7. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So, so that statement there can be very dangerous. If there are dangerous statements in the Bible, that, that, that's, a, that's one of them. Because the, the reason I'm saying that is because we are prone to interpret that the way it shouldn't be interpreted. The basic principle of interpretation is you read what comes before, you read what comes after. When you do that, you're, you're doing ba your basic you're doing basic hermeneutics now because we can't read from chapter 1 to 10 to know what is being talked about here uh, let me just give you a mi mini interpretation which you can go look look at by, uh, for yourself we're being told here that <clears throat> there are things to be hoped for and faith is is hoping in those things the assurance of those things that we are hoping for faith is being sure that the thing that we are hoping for uh, uh, will get it, right? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And then we are being told it is the conviction of things not seen. Now, I'd like you to notice that in that verse, there are the word things has been given to us twice. Faith is the assurance of things. It is the conviction of things. So, the thing, pun intended, the thing that we should ask ourselves is, what, what are these things? It's the assurance of things, the conviction of things. Is it easy? What are these things? That's, that's the question that we should ask ourselves. Now, the, what comes before explain, explains to us that it is the high priestly work of Jesus Christ. What comes after explains to us that every person that has been listed put their trust in this high priestly work of Jesus Christ. So you can go read from chapter 1 to chapter 10 and you'll see the things that Christ has done that the Levitical priesthood could not do. And so then he is our high priest. He is the greatest priest. We don't need the Catholic priest we don't need him 
because we have the high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's done, chapters 1 to 10. And then we are told here in Hebrews 11, forward, Chekini, these, are, these people put their trust in what this person did. And those are the things that we are hoping for. We are sure of those things. We are convicted of those things. That's just, that's just a mini interpretation. And so, so then we read there from verse 2. For by it, by it, the people of old received their commendation. Now, by faith in these things, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. The writer to the Hebrews is arguing that what, what, what we see was made by the word of God. Now, I'd like you to notice, this is so exciting to me because we have faith in what God has said, right? The Bible is the word of God. And that is precisely where the writer to the Hebrews begins when he's talking about faith. He says that we believe that the, the, the world was created by the word of God. Now, very quickly, look at, look at chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, chapter 1 verse 1. At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our forefathers by the prophets. You see, the, the, that concept of speaking. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Take it. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Now, the word of God is at the center of what faith entails. And that's what, that's what the writer to the Hebrews tells us there in, in, in 11 verses, um, verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. What is seen was made from the proclamation of God. He said, let there be light. Let there be plantations. What is seen was made by the word of God. Verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him, commending him by accepting his gift. And through faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not, uh, uh, sorry, um, so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Sorry. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, you can go on and on and on and see that at the heart of faith, 
is this proclamation that God has made and the person who has faith or is explained to have faith believes in what God tells him so that when Noah is making the ark and uh, people are, are not believing Noah is believing not because he has so much knowledge about what God is telling him but simply because God has told him Abel offers his sacrifice to God because we're told there is his, his, his sacrifice is better not because the not because he gives the fattest sheep or ram but because he gives it in faith faith in God and so on and so forth the point is it's not a different faith the, 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 the concept is, is the same that faith <clears throat> is believing what God has said and therefore we have assurance not because at faith yet is so strong but because of whom we trust it's, it's God we trust we are convicted even though these things we, we do not see them because we are trusting God now I was telling you that it is a dangerous statement because a statement I apply completely out of context that's what I would say I think that's a very good question Any, any other question or comment before we conclude? like to pray and then we of course we can have more conversations over our breaks and uh, in the evening we have the tea plot may the Lord bless us with these things let's pray <clears throat> thank you Lord for helping us to be able to consider this whole matter of faith alone the issue here is are we right with God and, and we thank you that Christ is Christ is accessible because if we believe in him we would be saved and so grant that everyone in this tent would put their trust in Jesus Christ alone that the faith that they would have it would be faith alone in Christ alone thank you because the finished work of Christ upon the cross needs no addition from our doings. 
thank you that you have saved us by grace alone through faith alone and you're the one who strengthens us to bear good fruit in good works please lead us in your paths of righteousness for your name's sake hear all our prayers we pray these things in jesus name